to start in Romans chapter 8. In verse 1, and before we do, we're just going to say thank you, Lord, again, for the opportunity to bring forth your word. I thank you for the privilege that it is to come and break your word before your people. Thank you for the privilege to share this pulpit. We thank you that your word goes forth and changes lives, changes hearts, brings encouragement, brings strength, brings direction, and that there is no condemnation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. No condemnation. And that's what this verse says. Romans 8.1 says, uh, New Living. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Hallelujah. We could go home now. That's a good word. I got more because his word is full of them. Our Bible, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again because it's my turn. You know, it's the only book written that teaches us how to live forever. It's the only one. It's the only one. So I read no condemnation. So don't take any when I say this. This may be for you. It may not. But in some ways it applies to all of us. At one point or another, I can almost guarantee because I don't think I'm alone. Who are you when you're not here? Every moment of every day, so not just on the good days. Do you live as you are, or do you sometimes, if not often, wear a mask? No mask, no pretense. Good. No. <laughs> See, I found, I found in, my, in my years in the church and outside the church, I found that many times, even in church, maybe not this one so much, okay, but even in the household of faith, that sometimes we are unwilling is probably um, not the right word, but um, reluctant to be true to what to who we are and what we're going through. Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. Amen. Everything is glorious. Amen. All the time. All the time. Every, moment every moment of every day. Jesus. Even when you're cut off in traffic. Jesus. Yes. Cut off in traffic. Come on now. Even traffic stereo. <laughs> See, because we, we, live, we live a life of faith, and we want to continue to live a life of faith. And there, there, is, a, there is a bit of a tightrope that we walk. It's not really a tightrope, but sometimes there's, you know, we live in a world that is radically different and thinks differently than we do. Right. You know, I think, I think it was today I saw something and it says, you know, um, 
following the radical truth of the Bible makes you radical only because the world is so far away from walking the truth of the Bible that we are bizarre. We are totally different. Well, we're supposed to be. We need to, we need to check ourselves every moment, right? What is our motivation? And uh, let's, let's go, if you will, to uh, Proverbs 20, 27. And I promise there is a point to all this. Because we know that God is good. And you've heard this before too, so it might not be new, but sometimes you and I may be the only Bible some people will read. See, the Lord's light... So I'll tell you where to go, Proverbs yeah, 20, 27. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every, exposing every hidden motive. So when we do what we do and we say what we say, do we do it to be seen in faith? Or are we doing it because we do not want to be seen as not having faith or perhaps even being weak? See, there's, there's, you, can, you can go through the motions. And we know people that have. And we can live the true life of faith. And there's a very, I think, a very fine distinction. We'll get into it. Could you read John 1.14 first? John 1.14. Yep. We can do that. John 1.14. John 1.14. Are we there? So the word became human and made his home among us. Where? Among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So when we, when we especially any of you sports type people, and I think even before here at one time or another, we've heard the expression, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Right? There is a difference. Ultimately, it's the same thing, because if you win, you don't lose. And if you don't lose, you win. But there's a difference in how we go about it. See, there's a confidence when you play to win. And we have to remember that our confidence is not in us. It's not in our strength. It's not in our ability. It's not in our talents. It's not even in our gifts. It's not in our confessions. Although all those things have a part. Sometimes we have to, you know, um, especially depending on where you are in the walk and what circumstances we might be facing and dealing with, when you look at that contrast of playing not to win or, or playing to win or playing not to lose, 
It's like, are you in faith or are you trying not to be in fear? There is stuff that happens that rocks us to our core, right? Sometimes it's events in our life. Sometimes it's physical things that are going on. Where is your confidence? See, I am learning. It's taken me a while. It's taken me a very long time, over 30 years in the church, and I'm just starting to get a hang of it now, that my confidence is not in how about I, how I go about doing it. My confidence is purely and simply in him and that he is doing it and that he is working it out in me. The same for all you. You know, it, it's not that, you know, it's not like we don't believe, but yet we still sometimes have unbelief. There's a, a scripture that says, uh, Mark 9, Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And I'll go back to the New Living again. I know everybody has their favorite, but that one works for me. Mark 9, 23 and 24. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So, unbelief really can be summed up this way. It's wondering whether or not what God said is really true. Will it really happen? And or more importantly, will it happen to me or for me? It might happen to everybody else, but will it happen to me? Because you know, well, I haven't always had it right. And I may not have it right tomorrow. And there's somebody that whispers, there was two voices that whisper in your ear. One that will um, actually tell a little bit of a story. Before I started preparing for this message, well, actually right after I started preparing for it, I had one of the most unusual nights I have had in a very, very long time. And in, you know, moments of time, my whole life, every major event, every insignificant event played through in my mind. But only the ones where I had made a mistake, done something wrong, done something I regretted, done something for which, you know, if I had to do it all over again, wouldn't have done. All night. And I thought, you dirty devil. You're not getting me off track. I'm not going. I know, I know the plan that you have is to bring discouragement. But how easy it would be to wake up and just start pondering those things. But see, I have learned enough, praise the Lord, thank you, that I can bring those before the Lord because I have been forgiven. I can acknowledge the fact that I am, I was, 
flawed and make mistakes. And that not every moment of every day has the goodness of Christ bubbled out of me. I am still alive. And I know you holy ones, you know, don't run into this very often. But, but if, if I was to take a five-pound sledgehammer and whack your fingers, you all of a sudden would know very much that you have fingers that you didn't think about and you probably will experience some emotions and some conditions in your mind and speech that are not characteristic of your daily walk. Am I real? So we don't want to be in fear, right? We want to be in faith. Everybody in the sound of my voice, whether in this room or online, wants to be in faith if they know that's what they need to do to survive. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know this, right? But sometimes it's like, are you holding on by faith or you're holding on by a thread? Well, as long as a thread is faith, <laughs> it's good. Right? It's all it takes, size of a mustard seed. So again, a lot of times what, what tends to, to hold us back is that, that questioning, that wondering whether or not, you know, we're in the right place at the right time, whether or not God's going to come through. I can tell you this, God will always come through. God will always come through. Now, there are lessons that we need to learn right? And here's my experience with lessons, right? There is usually two ways. You can do what you're told, listen to what you're told, and things will work out well. Or you don't, and problems start. I believe, finally, after so many years, that God's desire for us is that he does not want us to suffer. He does not want us to be in pain. He does not want to have to just barely hang on. He wants to see us thrive. He wants to see us more than just survive. We need to keep reminding ourselves, especially when the media has something different to say. See, things are not always what they, what they seem or what they appear. Perspective, perspective is an amazing thing. When Jesus looks at somebody, he looks through the eyes of love and compassion and understanding and with a heart for their good. Um. Let's go to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Okay, so where's his trust? Where's your trust? In his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. 
So you love God, right? Right? Okay. And so that means that God's in you, right? And we love God and God loves us and we love others. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with the confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So that's how we get rid of fear. Get into God. Get close to him. His love, right? And let his love out. Bottle. Bottle of love. Can't come out. Can't come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? When you let it out, it will come out. See, we are somewhat of a gatekeeper. Okay, so where am I going with this now? So where God is, there is no fear. So we want less fear, we need more God. God is indwelling in us. As we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, He has already done the work. Our job is to believe and accept it. Even when our foot hurts, even when our finger hurts, even when our head aches, even when our throat's sore, even when we're dealing with ID10Ts. Everybody's learned ID10T. If you spell it out in your head, look at it. I D 10 T S. We have sometimes worlds of those, lots of them around us, pushing our buttons, touching our nerves, <laughs> testing our patience, testing our love. He has already done the work. It is our job to believe or, and accept. He is in there, but we have to let him have his way. So just like the water, the love, we have to let him out. We have to let him have our, you know, I can be brother love or I can be brother grump. It's my choice. Yeah. It's your choice. Sometimes it feels better <laughs> to be brother grump. It doesn't really, but we're, we're, we're programmed to think that way, you know, Oh, poor pitiful me, the whole world's against me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to go eat some worms. <laughs> God loves us, yes. right? And we want to be that happy, joyful, Christ-like one. 
We need to walk in the freedom to allow ourselves to have been wrong and to have made mistakes. Just because you have not been perfect or you are not perfect doesn't mean you have failed. You only fail when you quit. All the time that you're still moving, there's still hope. See, the, the, the challenge is, is that we still have feelings. We still have emotions. We still have physical bodies, all of which are prone to exercise their presence and often their dominance on us. And he said, don't think so? Let me hit you with a hammer. <laughs> right? All of a sudden, you will quick, quickly recognize the presence of that hurting finger or that hurting hand. And there will be an outburst of some kind of emotion, whether it's the, the, the expression of pain, whether it's the expression of anger, right? But there will be an outburst of emotion, unless you're particularly highly skilled in spirituality. And we're very developed in allowing the Holy Spirit and his peace and abundance to infill you at every moment. See, and that sounds like a bit of a stretch until you realize what Jesus did for us. Because that's where we're going next. See, these emotions and, and, and these, these um, feelings, they're part of the human condition but they're not the sum of it, right? The key we need to learn is that Jesus was both, is both fully God and was when he walked on the earth, fully man. When he was here on earth, he had feelings, he had emotions, he had a physical body that felt pain and suffering, the same as we do. The difference is he did it and bore it so that we don't have to right? We don't have to. We do. Sometimes we pick it up willingly. Why? I ask myself that all the time. Why? Jesus did this. I don't have to. Why am I carrying this? Why am I sweating this? Why am I wearing this? Why am I trying to work it out? Get out of the way. Yeah. Let him out. And here it is, Isaiah 53. Verse starting at verse three, we know the scripture well. Fifty-three verses three and on. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorry sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet. It was our weakness he carried. Whose weakness? It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Whose sorrows? And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. 
we have led God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Think of that hammer illustration. He had nails driven through his hands and feet. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was beaten with fists, spit on, beaten with sticks, had a crown of thorns on his head. He didn't open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. That's what he did for us so that we don't have to. Can you accept that? We can now. We all do now. The trick is, not a trick, the challenge is, when you're aggravated, when you're frustrated, when you're stressed, when you're hurt, when that depression is trying to get on you, do you believe he paid the price then? And we need to practice that now before those things come upon you. Because when they're on you, it's a lot harder to get it through to you. See, there is nothing Say that with me. Nothing, no thing that is not subject to the name of Jesus. And the authority he has given us. So who has the authority? We do. Does the enemy have authority over us? Does he try to tell you he does? He's a liar. There is nothing that is not subject to the name of Jesus and the authority he has given to us. We need to look at those around us with the eyes of Jesus, the understanding and compassion, love and mercy. Again, stuff happens all around us. And it, 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 it may be a little cliche now, but we've heard the expression, what would Jesus do? Right? Before we react or respond what would Jesus do? That was what was playing in my mind, you know, all night as those things that had happened went through and replayed. I was like, what would Jesus have done? What would Jesus have done? What would Jesus have done? Right? Right? <laughs> all night. You would have thought that myself would have woke up. But every time it seemed like, you know, because I woke up, I didn't wake up agitated. I didn't wake up depressed or discouraged. I woke up feeling like I had the victory over all of it because Jesus had done the work. He had paid the price. All I have to do is say I missed it and I don't want to behave that way anymore. I don't want to react that way anymore. I've learned a lifetime of lessons as was illustrated through all that stuff. See, why don't we have more, wow, why don't we have more time? Sure you can. You're, which is it? 
I think I've got that on my list. Uh, I can't read it in the King James, but uh, we can put it up. Gal- Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Everybody got it up? Okay. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ live in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Woohoo! crucified with Christ and he lives in us surrender see Philippians 1 6 says this Philippians 1 6 and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Yes. So, Gentiles, Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, or flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in his dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Let's uh, flip over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15. Now, this is common knowledge for most of us, but this is the word. This isn't John. Well, it is John, but, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not this John. <laughs> Do not love this world, in verse 15, right? Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world... You do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. That's that's good news. Just a couple more here. Okay, Lord, where should I close this? Obviously, I'm not done, so we're just going to find a good place to end. Um, okay. Two more. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. God is so good. And then, and one more, we'll end, we'll end with this one, I think. See, God's word is the truth. And the one thing I realize is that the closer to him I get, and the more I enter into him, the more I realize I need him <laughs> more and more. And the trickier part for me and probably for you, if you're like me, is allowing him to do it and not trying to meddle. <laughs> not trying to, it, it's so easy when you're a doer, when you want to help, when you want to see things done, to try to push it through. Right? Just, he has a plan, you know. Oh, yeah. His plan is perfect. Back, yeah, back to the back to the word, John. Back to the word. Back to the word. Back to the word. The word is truth. The word is life. Teaches, corrects. Uh, James one nineteen. Did I say that? Okay, James one nineteen. <laughs> Understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Nothing else like it. So, with all the goodness that is in you, imparted by God, for all the gifts that are in you. Oh, here's here's another one. Here's another one. I can't, I can't go without saying this. You all have a gift, each and every one. But you know the gift is not for you. It's given to you, but it is not for you. The gift is for the body. The gift is for the body. Don't withhold your gift. Let that love out. Let your light shine. Mm. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.